Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And what we're looking at right now in chapter 10, chapter 10 until, um, until 11 verse 14 is really one parenthetical chapter. It's giving us information about what's happening around this midpoint of the tribulation period. Welcome, everyone, to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob continues with our study in the book of Revelation as we move into chapter 10. Revelation chapter 9 left off with the sounding of the sixth of seven trumpets, which usher in the end of all things. Now, instead of the seventh trumpet, we have another break in the action until Revelation chapter 11, verse 14. Perhaps these breaks serve a dramatic purpose, but also show mercy in allowing more opportunity for repentance. It is as if God brought things to the brink, then pulled back a little to grant mankind more time to repent. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. We are well into the what we call the tribulation period in the book of Revelation. If you remember, chapters 6 through 19 really uh, comprise uh, what we would call Daniel's 70th week. It's a time of great tribulation, a time that would be so awful in God's judgment upon a world that has rejected his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said that if, this, if he didn't come to end this time of great tribulation, that there no flesh, no flesh would survive it. It will be that bad. And as we have gone through the seal judgments, and as we've gone through uh, most of the trumpet judgments, and we're going to be looking at uh, uh, the... We've already looked at the fifth and the sixth trumpet. Um, We'll be looking at the seventh in a week or two from now. But as we look into this, we we just see God's wrath being poured out upon a world that has rejected his son. And to me, that is a, a horrible thing. But we have to understand that God is just. And just as much as God loves you and I, we have to understand that God also hates sin. And because he is a God of love, he has to judge sin. There's no way around that. And nobody likes to talk about that. But see, that is the teeth. That that is the teeth of the gospel. It's not just God will forgive you and everything will be okay. That is true, but that's only part of the gospel. It's good news because first there was bad news. The bad news was that I was on my way to hell. Can anybody attest to that? I remember growing up and the first 24 years of my life, I didn't know God, but I knew he was there. 
but I didn't believe in him. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? I knew he was there, but I didn't believe in him. It's sort of like seeing the color blue, but really not acknowledging it. It's just kind of dumb, honestly. But God loves people, but he will. He is a God of judgment as well. And these chapters are no doubt very difficult, but we have to go through them. And I would encourage you that as we do go through them, let it examine you. Let it purify you. The Word of God does that. It it, it cleanses us from the defilement that we pick up in the world. That's why it's so important that we read it. So important that you read the Word of God. More than any other book that you have, no, more than any other diet that you have that you spend time with, whether it's watching television or watching the news or anything like that, read the Word of God more than all of that. And trust me, you will be better off for it. In fact, I would just encourage you not to watch the news at all. Just turn it off. Wouldn't that be a shocker? Fox, CNN, all of them. MSNBC and Fox. I said Fox. Um, all of them. Just turn it all off and just live your life. <laughs> and you'll be much better for it. And get your nose in the word and, and be refreshed, be encouraged. Um, I know that the more I've gotten into the word, the more I'm, my, my, I've, I've had a sense of peace. The more I'm in the word, the more peaceful I am inside because I'm, I'm reading his word. Do you want peace or do you want turmoil? I think we all want peace, don't we? So there's a, uh, there's a prescription here that I'm giving Okay, read the word of God, turn off everything else. There you go, there you go, there you go. Okay, think about it. So we are now in this, this period, and as we approach this area of Scripture today, chapters 10 through 15, uh, a chap- beginning with chapter 10, chapters 10 through 15 are really what we would consider the midpoint of the tribulation period. Remember, it's a seven-year period. So right in the center of this Seven-year period is when the Antichrist is finally going to show his true colors. From the very beginning, he allows the Jews, he makes a peace treaty with them, allowing them to build their temple, and everything's just going hunky-dory until the middle point. And we are right now around that middle point. We can't be too dogmatic about it, but basically... Chapters 10 through 15 are roughly that area in this midpoint, and we'll talk more about why that is true later on in the coming weeks. It'll become apparent to you that that is where we are at in the chronology of things. And so, this morning, if you uh, go back to uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 13, there was something that was spoken there. It says, And I looked, John says, and an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. You remember that we've already looked at the first seven seals. Each There's like three different waves. For those of you who are new today... There's three waves of judgment that are coming yet in the future. We've already looked at the seal judgments. They were seven distinct individual judgments upon the earth. But remember, the church has been removed prior to that. Because God will not allow his bride to go through these judgments because she's already been, uh, her sin has already been judged on the cross. There's no need to judge her. We are the believing remnant, and so God takes us to heaven with him, and what we know is the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 through 18. You can check that out for yourself, but that is where it's located. But the church is removed prior to all of this hell breaking loose on the earth, and it is a judgment of God. But the first seven seals we already looked at, and the first four trumpets we already looked at. So, And we've looked at uh, uh, trumpet, the fifth and the sixth trumpet, and in a couple weeks we'll look at the seventh one. 
But the fifth and the sixth trumpet are also labeled the three woes. The three woes. And, and I believe that they're called the three woes because that the, the judgments that were going on were ba- mainly toward the earth and the things on the earth. But when we get to these three woes, these fifth, sixth, and seventh trumpet judgment, it gets really personal. It gets really personal. If you remember in chapter 9 uh, that we looked at last week, uh, that whole first uh, half of the chapter, verses 1 through 12, that was the first woe, if you will, and it was about demonic activity upon the earth. About demons being released and, and torturing people on the earth, stinging them. We don't know exactly what, what these creatures looked at. John tried very hard to describe them and had to use a lot of similes to try and describe. Well, they're like this. They're sort of like this. They're sort of like this. They're as this, but not quite because we've never seen these creatures before because God hasn't released them. But there is coming a time where he is going to release them. And you think demonic activity is rampant on the earth now. You have seen nothing yet. You've seen nothing because we've never seen a demon manifested. Well, maybe we have, and we just haven't noticed. But demons will be manifested in physical form, and they, people will see them, and people will be running from them. That's how horrible this time will be. And the second woe began in chapter 13 of, I'm sorry, uh, verse 13 of chapter 9. And that woe continues on until chapter 11, verse 14, which we'll get to in a week or two from now. Okay, and so and this and this woe is again this this second woe, the sixth trumpet, is another demonic infestation, if you will. Some people have tried to claim that these uh, these hunt these hundreds of thousands of horsemen are physical beings. As I look at the description there, they defy anything we've seen before. So I think if John knew that they were horses and they were just normal men, he would have just said so. But again, he uses a bunch of similes to to describe these creatures. So they are demonic, I believe. And that is what's coming upon the earth. And so we have these these three woes. And and I already mentioned this to you. The first one was in chapter 9, verses 1 through 11. We looked at that last week. We also looked at the beginning of the second woe, which was in Revelation 9, verse 13. And uh, that whole second woe really goes... Um, until we get to chapter 11, verse 14. And this will make sense as we go forward, um, as we go forward. In fact, if you would, just look with me. Just turn over to chapter 11 and look at verse 14. Chapter 11, verse 14. Notice what it says. It says, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And so really what we see from uh, now go back to uh, chapter 9 and look at verse 12. We, we looked at this last week, but the fifth trumpet sounds in the beginning of chapter 9 there, and at the, at the very last, or the, the 12th verse of that chapter, one woe is passed. Behold, still two more woes are coming. And so we looked at the beginning of the second woe yesterday, or last, yesterday? Yeah, sure, why not? Uh, last week. And the third woe, we believe begins at the seventh trumpet when it's sounded, which is chapter 11, verse 15. We'll get to this, 
But just to kind of give you a high-level overview of where we're going, that seventh trumpet sounds, which is the beginning of the third woe. And I believe that that third woe really lasts. It's really hard to discern where that ends, but it basically unravels the final last seven uh, judgments upon the earth, and they are the worst. And they are the ones that are coming closer and closer together in frequency. Sort of like what Jesus said. They are like birth pangs. Ladies, if you've given birth, you've, you know this. Uh, as birth, as, as you get closer to giving birth, the pain intensifies, the contractions get shorter and shorter uh, um, in, in, in duration. And so something's happening. Something's happening. And so we can see that these woes are coming. And in fact, um, we looked at the second one last week, and part of that woe was the Euphrates horsemen. We're calling them horsemen. We don't really know what these creatures are. Um, when you, again, you look at the definition of these things, and they just defy anything human that we've ever seen. And then we're also going to see, as part of this second woe, we see in chapter 11 the, the plague that the two witnesses that are going to be on the earth during the tribulation, the things that they are going to unleash on the earth. They will be able to bring down fire from heaven. They'll be able to stop up heaven. They'll be able to bring floods, turn water into blood. There's going to be, and it sounds very much like Moses, sounds very much like Elijah, the Old Testament prophets. But let's go ahead and let's read together. And so let me just say this. One of the things about chapter 10 here is just like chapter 7, which was a chapter between the 6th and the 7th seal, there was an interlude or a pause in the action. And so we call these parenthetical chapters. It means that there's, it's material that's going on during that time that God fills us in on a little bit more about what's going on during that time period. And what we're looking at right now in chapter 10, chapter 10 until, um, until 11 verse 14 is really one parenthetical chapter. It's giving us information about what's happening around this midpoint of the tribulation period. And so let's go ahead and let's read it in its entirety, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at it. So, Revelation chapter 10, it says, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right hand, a right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars, when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, which we have yet to get to, When he is about to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. And then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel and I said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. 
but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter, and he said to me, You must prophesy again. And again, the angel's talking to John. You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. Tongues and kings. Let's go back to the beginning again and look at this. Very interesting chapter. John says, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. Now, some believe that this mighty angel is is Jesus. And there's some reasons why people might think that. And we're not going to spend a great deal of time on this, but it's worth looking at. Because uh, one thing you have to remember is, where is Jesus when this tribulation is happening on the earth? Where is he? Anyone? In heaven, that's right. Yeah, right, Becca. He's in heaven. And who's with him in heaven? The church. We, us, right? So we are with him. While this judgment is going upon the earth, we are caught up. The Bible says that we are raptured. We are harpazoed in the Greek. We're taken up to meet him in the air. We meet him in the clouds, and we're with Jesus forevermore until the end of that seven-year period. And then Jesus physically comes back to the earth, and guess who's coming with him? On white horses, you and I. That may sound funny to you, but you know what? Don't worry about it. When, it, when we get there, you're going to be like, oh, he really meant it. Because <laughs> I believe he does. And there's a lot more to that story, but we'll pause there. But this, I don't believe, is Jesus. Although there are some similarities. But we do know that Jesus is coming back, but not during the middle of this tribulation period. He's coming at the end when he comes to defeat Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the armies that have gathered against Jerusalem. He is going to defeat them in, in just a word. He's going to speak, and they are all going to be consumed instantly. But we look at this angel's description, and there's no wonder that we might consider that this might be Christ, because there are similar physical characteristics uh, with Jesus. And anyone, honestly, who is in the presence of Jesus, including angels, wouldn't it be plausible that they share some of his likeness? Not completely like him, because there's only one, Jesus, God Almighty, in the flesh. But is it plausible that his, these beings that he's created have some semblance of him? I believe there is. And we see that in this, this angel, this mighty angel. It could even be Michael the archangel. We really don't know. We know that Moses, when he met with God on the mountain, remember in, in Exodus, when he received the Ten Commandments, his, fo- his face shone because he was in the presence of God for 40 days. I mean, the guy looked like, you know, can you imagine? He had to put a veil over himself to hide the, 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 the shining from his face because he was in his presence. But when we look at the cloud, we can see. In Psalm 104, verse 3, it says, He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the water, speaking of God, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind. We know that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, Daniel said, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, who, by the way, is God the Father, and they brought him near before him. So Daniel, back in the 7th century, 5th century, 6th century B.C., was speaking of the event when Jesus would return physically to the earth and his second coming physically to the earth. He speaks of him coming on the clouds of heaven. So is it any wonder that we, people might get confused that maybe, maybe this is Jesus? But I believe, it, again, it's just an angel. And we know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, what does it say? That 
The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the clouds, to meet Jesus in the clouds, and forever we will be with him. And the Bible says, now comfort one another with these words. Is that comforting to you? To know that you're going to be taken before wrath is poured out? It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not necessary for him to put you through the judgment. He paid the judgment for once and for all on the cross for you and I. There's no need for that. Does that make sense? And in Acts, when Jesus ascended... Acts chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Now when he had spoken these things, now this is after Jesus was resurrected, while his disciples watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel, these angels. And they said, yeah, the, the way he came, the way he left, is the same way he's coming. And Zechariah tells us, Zechariah 14 tells us that when Jesus comes back, he's coming back in the clouds, and he's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in two. A few weeks ago, actually a couple months ago now, actually, um, we were in Israel, and we stood on the Mount of Olives, and that is going to happen right there. On the Mount of Olives, it's going to split. He's going to touch down right there. He left from there when he ascended into heaven. He's coming back to the same place, and there's a lot of information about that, a lot of things written in the Bible. But then he also goes on, and he talks about, and a rainbow was on his head. A rainbow is on his head, and we know what the rainbow signifies. After the flood, remember, God spoke to Noah and gave him a promise that he would never flood the earth again with water. We've had local floods, but not a global flood. The global flood is a historical fact. They found seashells on top of Mount, uh, um, um, uh, uh, what's the big mountain there? Um, Mount McKinley? I mean, one of the big, the big mountains, they find sea animals fossilized up on those mountains. Hmm. Could it be that the world was flooded and the whole geography changed as those water reservoirs underneath where, where water was coming up and the water canopy from above depleting the ground and the ground sinking like this, creating, in a sense, mountains all by themselves and those sea creatures just lowering on top and being fossilized? Not a big stretch of the imagination, folks. Science backs it up. Science backs all of this up that's in the book of Genesis. Don't let anybody fool you. But the rainbow was a promise. And I love how he's sending this angel now, and he's where he has a rainbow on his head, which means it's a promise. God is not going to renege on his promises. God is going to make sure that all of his promises come to pass. And notice also he's got a face like the sun. We see a similarity of this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, when it describes the appearance of Jesus in his glorified state. What did it say? He had in his right hand seven stars, speaking of Christ. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And so we can see how this could be. And, his, and, then, and then also, he has uh, feet like pillars of fire. What does Revelation chapter 1 verse 15 say? Just a verse before this. His feet, speaking of Christ, was like fine brass. Was like fine brass, as refined in a furnace. And as we look at this angel and we compare him with the angel in Revelation chapter 5, they sound very similar but there's no reason to believe that they are, or there is no reason to believe that they are one, but rather two separate angels. So we really don't need to spend 
any more time on that because it just an, it's just an angel. And, um, and we'll look more at this in just a minute. Because if it was Jesus, I believe John would have just said, hey, it's Jesus. Right? He doesn't need to... Besides, the book of Revelation is, a, is an unveiling. It's not a concealing. Now, are there things in it that are concealed that we still don't know? Yes, there are. There are things in the Bible like that. We'll get to that later. But it's to unveil him. So I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.